SDCC weekend just finished in the United States. That's the San Diego Comic Con. For those of you who may be unaware, this is the first one in three years. The last in-person Comic Con was 2019. Because of the pandemic, it was put on hold. And boy, has there been a lot of news and announcements. Marvel returned to Hall H. For those of you who don't know, Hall H is the biggest exhibition space at the convention center during San Diego Comic-Con. It can hold thousands of people, and this is usually where the big companies go to make their biggest announcements. Marvel has been away from Hall H for a few years because they've been doing it at D23, but they're back at Comic-Con. I was at Comic-Con in 2017, and I think that was when they first showed the Infinity War footage that was not released on the internet. Right, 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 right. You've never been to Comic-Con, right, Bahe? I have not had the privilege. Not yet. But you know what? I think we should go next year. We should go next oh, year. Oh, yeah. Next year. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think in my... Let's make that happen. This is, this is, this is going to get me into trouble with so many people, but I know they don't listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. To me, it's like my Mecca. It's like my actual Mecca. I've got two Meccas that I have to go to in my lifetime. One is SDCC. The other one is the actual Mecca. What, what do young people say these days? Oh, manifest it. Yeah, let's manifest it, right, for next year. Is that a young people thing? Okay, anyway, sorry, I don't want to get involved in that. In, in our past lives, we applied for press credentials and we actually have press credentials. So it's mm. just a matter of reauthorizing our press credentials and actually finding the money to be able to go to Comic-Con That's in the more important one, to be fair. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I've been in 2017. It is an epic thing. For those of you who don't know what it's about, it's more than just the big announcements that Marvel makes and DC makes. That's the only news we really hear. It is a four-day affair. There's a preview night on a Wednesday, but it starts officially on a Thursday, runs through Sunday, and it covers everything pop culture. It began, of course, as comics. That's why it's called Comic-Con. But these days, it plays host to hundreds of thousands of people. The entire city is essentially engulfed by pop culture. What happens mm. in the convention center is just one element of what goes on. There are pop-ups everywhere. This year, I believe they had a Bob's Burgers pop-up where you could actually go and buy burgers. When I was there back in 2017, they had a museum exhibition for Star Trek Discovery because it was going to be the first season and they had all the props and the outfits. And right, I remember right, lining yeah. up for the exhibition and they were opening late for some reason and suddenly the whole cast just pops out. And everyone's right. like, hey, how's it going? And we're like, what? Yeah, so that's the kind right, of crazy right. shit that happens at Comic-Con. They cover books, TV shows, comic books, anime, everything. It's geek Christmas. It extends to beyond just the kind of hardcore geekery. Because they've started to kind of exhibit everything. And because people are so exposed to the kind of popular culture there is on TV shows, there is something for you if you just like watching TV, for example. And that's kind of what I mean by geek, right? It's it's whatever your flavor, whatever the color crayon is your geekery, they will have some form of it during Comic-Con. Sarah Michelle Gellar showed up this year because yes, she's appearing in the Teen Wolf movie. And even that was one of the, it wasn't Hall H, but it was one of the bigger halls. So, you know, it is geekery of any type. Getting into Hall H, however, is hell. I remember having to camp outside and you have to line up for a very, very long time. When I hear those stories, I'm like, that's an entire day you're wasting sitting in line and not walking the convention floor. So I think if you want to go for that Marvel panel, and that's a decision you have to make. Yeah. If the Marvel panel is on 
Sunday night or Saturday night, you basically need to sacrifice all of Saturday and sleep outside in the cold from Friday night. Then you will get into the Marvel panel. We were very lucky because I had a friend who was happy to camp out for us. What? Yep. So I could experience a lot of it, but she was completely happy to camp out and just chill out in the line in Hall H. Would you get into trouble with other people standing in line? Oh, no, no. That's perfectly acceptable. As long as you're not standing in line for like 50 people. If you're standing in line for like two of your friends, that's cool. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. And it's kind of a thing that happens. I don't know if they do the Singapore thing where they pay people to go and stand in line. I'm not sure if that's a thing at Comic-Con yet. But I was lucky enough that a part of my party was happy to wait in line at Hall H while I could experience the rest of (gasps) Comic-Con. And yes, like you said, there's a lot going on. There are hundreds of panels every day which cater to every single flavor. There's an exhibition hall where all of your favorite artists and writers and movie stars and TV stars are signing autographs and meeting and greeting people. There will be, you know, every toy producer under the sun is there. You know, action figures of all shapes and sizes. I met the star of Flesh Gordon. Flesh Gordon, not Flash Gordon. Wow. Who signed a Flesh Gordon poster for me. It was great. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. There is also another hall, which is the size of the exhibition hall, that is just merchandise. Now, this thing is fucking endless. You just need to leave your wallet in the hotel room. As you're walking through, it's everything. Toys, comics, Lego. Everyone's got an outlet. Funko Pop. Sounds dangerous. Weta Digital were were there this year, okay? Weta Digital were there. Dude, they have exclusive drops. Yes, Mondo does exclusive drops, yeah. And the exclusive drops work in a very interesting way. You wake up super early in the morning, you go stand in line, right? And you go stand in line for a random chance to be able to get this exclusive drop. Because (sighs) as you're walking... As you're walking through, they will pick out of a box and hand you either a red card or a green card. If you're unlucky and you get a red card, then you go back and stand in line again and maybe you get a chance to get that exclusive drop. Yeah, dude. It's like, it's insane. And it's also just this logistical marvel. Like, Mm. I've been to conventions, you've been to conventions, but nothing will prepare you for the scale of this and the kind of and the way that the city and the organizers work together to bring this event to life that's always for me the biggest thing because i remember we were doing let's say preemptive research the last time we were thinking about going and it's this thing of like you have to apply for a hotel room you cannot necessarily pick one you get whatever you get and you just sort of make do with that you get your tickets And then there is a kind of a lottery system for the hotel room. You put in first choice, second choice, third choice, etc. And you list it down in this form and you submit it. And then you tell them how many people in your party. And essentially, yes, you could be staying at the Marriott, for example. Or you could be staying at the Bumfuck Motel. Anything's possible. Are the prices the prices the same across the board from the Marriott and the Bumfuck? No, right? Obviously, the five-star is more expensive. Right. But if you had selected that as your first choice, that means it's something you were willing to pay anyway. Lah. Yeah, lah, that makes sense. Lah. Yeah. yeah. But they work with all of the hotels in the area to come up with a cool thing. I mean, you can stay outside and you can drive back and forth as well. It's just that there's such long days that you're yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. shattered by the time the night is through. I mean, it is an experience. And even if you're not a geek, I think 
if you get the chance to go to SDCC, take it just because it's an experience to watch how these things come together. Like mm. I've never seen something, the clockwork in which it runs is amazing. It's astounding. Like corralling all of those people, getting them into a hall, the secrecy that's involved in getting major movie stars into the same place and people not mm. knowing who's going to be there or why they're going to be there. It's insane. And also, they really do reward fans as well. Like on the year I was there, they showed us footage of the Kingsman movie that hadn't yet mm. come out. I think they showed us 15 minutes of that. Everyone got exclusive t-shirts and pins just for walking into the room, you know? Wow. I was there for the Marvel TV panel as well, and they showed us the first episode of Defenders. Okay. This was that year, like before it had even dropped. That's where they announced the renewal of Iron Fist. I mean, all of these things kind of happened. So they're all big news events and big surprise events. It's a very joyous place because everyone seems genuinely happy to be there. Like, you run into cosplayers and fans and because you're all of a single mindset, like you can just pick up a conversation with anyone and you'll be right. you'll be standing in line and just talking to strangers and having a great time making friends. It's just very, very cool. So yeah, there were tons of tons and tons of announcements this year, right? And we're not going to cover it all because we don't have that kind of time. And you've probably read a lot of it, but we're going to talk about some of our favorites. I mean, there was everything from new Lego set announcements to like clips from the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Mm. There was stuff about Transformers and Disney Plus's National Treasure TV show. There was a lot. And we'll get to the DC Marvel stuff right at the end because I guess that made the biggest splash. But some of our favorites... I'll go first. One of the things that I was most excited for, because I'm a huge fan of Star Trek and I'm a huge fan of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is possibly the best show there is right now. Okay. I'm okay with Discovery and I'm still a little meh about Picard, but they announced a crossover between Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, which is the animated comedy. Right. And I believe the Lower Decks characters are going to appear on Strange New Worlds as live action versions. Oh. I know. So I don't think it's an animated crossover. The details are a little scarce. Right. Okay. But it could be quite cool. Because Strange New Worlds is kind of structured in an episodic form, like the mm. original Star Trek was. It's Yes, there is an overarching narrative of sorts, but mainly it's adventure of the week. I think it kind of lends itself to tell these sorts of zany stories. That was one of the things that I'm most excited about. As for Picard, the whole Next Generation crew is coming back, or most of them at least. And I don't know what they're going to do in Season 3, but the thing I am excited about there is Worf looking fucking cool with a white beard and white hair. Like, Michael Dorn looks yeah. badass. Yeah. I just hope they don't fuck it up. He already looked badass before. I remember Correct. he just yeah. being one of the coolest cats around. But that... That white accents is is pretty cool, uh, pretty dope. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have thought you'd been excited at the fact that this is the last season. Yes, only because I hope they. <laughs> I, I I I I'm excited. Okay, first of all, Patrick Stewart's a bit old, so mm. it's nice that they want to cap the story. That said, season two, all of season two could have been a two-hour movie. Mm. It felt like it yeah. was unnecessarily stretched out into ten episodes. So I'm hoping with season three, you're bringing back all these legacy characters. Shh, fucking make it count lah that's the big one right like make it make it count i only watched the first season and that was a fucking drag 
it was bad enough I watched the first season. I had to actually preview each episode as it went by. I was because we were doing a chat log with Ian. We were doing a podcast, dude. We were doing a. You guys did a chat log for Discovery. And then for Picard, we actually did a weekly podcast after every episode dropped. It just all sort of blends at this point. If anything, I might watch season three only because I want to see how they end the, not end Jean-Luc Picard, but how they wrap up Jean-Luc Picard's story, literally his story, right? From the beginning of next gen till now. I want to see how they pull together his end. That will be interesting to see. But in a lot of ways... It didn't feel like it was catered to anybody. It didn't bring in new audiences. It didn't really satisfy any of the original followers of the series. It just feels like they were... I don't even know if it felt like they were self-indulgent. It just feels like a bad story badly told. It just didn't do anything. It was very messy. And yet again, it felt bloated. It felt like they wanted to hit all of these marks, but weren't actually sure how to get there. It didn't even feel like they hit those marks... In, in a satisfactory way, you know? It feels like they stumble onto each mark and be like, oh, look, here's that guy. Okay, what does that matter? Nothing. Moving along. It just felt really bad. Any favorites for you, Brian? I was already pretty stoked about the Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings prequel. But after that new trailer and the way they end said trailer with a certain monster that we saw in the original trilogy i'm a big i'm i'm looking forward to it i am getting pretty excited about it i didn't catch the panel though because i have this thing about watching panels in that i kind of don't know why i'm there but the release of that trailer has gotten me it's gotten me very excited i think i'm more excited for that than i am for the house of dragons only because i don't really know that much about that group of people for me, the biggest win is obviously Disney. Disney won SDCC this past weekend. I think DC's offerings over the three, four days really felt... There's this joke floating around online. Marvel goes and announces about three or four years worth of content and the future of their channel and their and their company. And DC releases a second Black Adam trailer, a Shazam trailer, and the Gotham Knights trailer. It just feels a bit like... Is that the best you can do? I think it was disappointing because Warner has problems, right? They don't know how to sell Aquaman because of Amber Heard. That situation is still very much alive. They don't know yeah. what to do with The Flash because of Ezra Miller. And that movie is in the can already. It's just a matter yeah. of whether or not they actually release it and yeah. how they go about marketing that film when your main star is on the run from the authorities. That's a big problem. You can't bring him down for a roundtable. No, and and you know, with the Ezra Miller situation, nobody knows what is going on. And if the kind of stuff that's coming out is true, it feels like he needs help more than anything else. And I really hope mm. he gets that help because it feels like he's going through some sort of breakdown, which is kind of scary. Yes. But... Warner Brothers is caught in a trap because they don't know how to actually sell those movies. And so all they have is The Rock to kind of usher them through this next phase of films. And the Shazam trailer, which looked like a lot of fun. And I love the first yeah. Shazam movie. I thought the first Shazam movie was a very different kind of DC movie that I really enjoyed because they weren't taking themselves too seriously. And this trailer has a fucking dragon in it. And it yeah. looks fun. But I think they couldn't talk about Batgirl because it's got Keaton in it. And 
maybe the reason has something to do with the Flash, so they can't necessarily bring that up. Like they've tied themselves too tight. They got problems. A, a big part of me is wondering if DC shouldn't have shown up. They should have just not shown up because, like you said, we're now talking about. I've got notes here, and I've got maybe twelve things on the MCU and Disney and DC. I've got three items, and most of them I don't care about. Like you're right. I enjoyed the first Shazam movie. I just, I I find it hard to care about the second one. I know I'll have a lot of fun in it. I know I'll watch it, I'll laugh, but I won't go out and buy a Shazam toy. I'm definitely sure as hell I'm not going to go pick up a Shazam comic. I have very little attraction to that brand. And I don't know why DC were there to do that. And for me, that's kind of important, right? Because a lot of the time, the function of these films are to create affinity for brands so if they're good and if they're really good then you'll want to go out and start reading Ms. Marvel comics so you'll want to go out and start reading Moon Knight comics because yeah. suddenly this obscure character that you hadn't heard about is important that was Iron Man Iron Man was a C-lister at best no one gave a shit about Iron Man right yeah 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 and Robert Downey Jr. kind of changed all of that. Now there are dozens of Iron Man titles that Marvel releases every year. Not all of them are great, but they've got some traction. Even with Shazam, fun movie, I just don't think it inspired people to go out and buy the comics or actually grew any sort of real affinity for the brand. And on top of that, Dungeons & Dragons as a brand is only cool because of Stranger Things. I don't know if a Dungeons & Dragons movie will do anything. I think with the Dungeons & Dragons trailer... They're going down the Chris Pine, quippy route. It yeah. feels like they're doing that movie. So they're taking the concept of Dungeons and Dragons and they're kind of packaging it into a Guardians of the Galaxy style Marvel package in yeah, the hope no, I get that. that you're going to be excited about that. I don't know if Dungeons and Dragons has grown out of the Stranger Things thing. I think even before that, I don't know that many people in Malaysia who played Dungeons and Dragons and probably even less who knew about it. And I don't think the hardcore fans are going to enjoy this sort of film. It feels like this sort of film is made for the mass market. And I'm not sure if the mass market are going to be that interested in Michelle Rodriguez, Reggie Jean-Page, or Chris Pine in this movie. Also, what's ironic is that Stranger Things is probably a truer reflection of hardcore Dungeons & Dragons than yeah. this Dungeons & Dragons yeah. movie, at least from the trailer, right? Because... Those kids are proper hardcore fans. They're talking about Demogorgons and Vecna like no one else is listening. And very little is done to actually explain that because there are so many inside jokes. So I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna withhold judgment. The trailer looks fun, but I don't know who their target demographic is. This trailer feels more like a movie about dungeons and dragons as opposed to the game Dungeons and Dragons. Marvel had the biggest news though, so let's talk about Marvel. I mean, kicking things off with the animation panel, there are a bunch of stuff there that I'm really excited about. What If looks really cool, especially since they're mm. taking that into the kind of random directions that I was hoping they would. Like they're releasing a Marvel right. Zombies spin-off from that. There's going to be an episode based on Neil Gaiman 1602. Oh, really? Yeah, Missed dude. So they're doing oh, nice. some really okay. cool shit, which then might translate to the big screen like it did with what if in Multiverse of Madness, right? It's possible. And so I think that could be quite cool. Spider-Man freshman year looks good. I know it's set on a different universe than 616, but apparently it's still canon because we are in the Multiverse saga. But you know why they're doing that, right? No, I can't. Because in animation, 
they can do whatever they want. They don't have to get Sony's approval. Oh. So that's why that's why they can use all of these characters because in live action they will need Sony's approval. Oh, I see. So that's why they're making an MCU canon show but in animation. And that's why Tom Holland is not guaranteed to be coming and voicing that voice, right? But Matt Murdock Daredevil mm. is going to be in the animated version. Wow. So that universe because is Because he's an then. MCU paid actor. He's not a Sony actor on loan to the MCU, which is what Tom Holland does. Oh, God. Disney should I just know. buy over Sony and be done with it. Just like... <laughs> Just for Spider-Man, just get it over If anything, I don't think Congress will approve that. I think it took them a long time to approve the Fox merger. I don't think they're going to approve Disney taking over another studio. There was a lot of stuff on the animation panel that was very, very cool. But it it was Kevin Feige's appearance in Hall H that really made the news. Because he dropped a lot of stuff. I mean, he laid out all yeah. of Phase 5. He gave a sneak peek into Phase 6, which is going to end in two Avengers movies, both in the same year. I don't know if that will change because Infinity War and Endgame were supposed to be in the same year as well, but they got pushed a year apart. And of course, we got to see the greatest thing of all, which was that trailer for Black Panther. And I have not been that excited to see a trailer for a Marvel movie in a long, long time. I have not felt that kind of reaction to a trailer in a long time. I mean, we've seen some cool trailers this year, but I've seen that Wakanda Forever trailer three times now. I don't think I can watch anymore because I was surfing YouTube yesterday and the trailer was an ad. I had to skip it immediately because I couldn't do it emotionally to watch it again. You know what I mean? That trailer is a beautifully cut trailer, played to the perfect music, Ah, so good. It is perfectly crafted. It tells you nothing about what the movie is about, but it creates enough to get an emotional reaction. It uses the best kind of music. That version of No Woman, No Cry. And then when Kendrick comes in at the end, it's just fucking brilliant. I'm already looking forward to that special edition soundtrack. We got to see Namor. And also it's Namor, not Namor, as I've heard some people pronounce it annoyingly really which was kind of hinted at in endgame because i think in that holographic chat that black widow was having at the beginning of the film is it okoye who says that she's got to go off and address some weird happenings in the pacific or something like that right yes yep so we kind of knew nemo was coming and nemo's an interesting character i'm really excited about nemo because he's a hero of sorts but he's also an antagonist to the human characters he's unlike aquaman Aquaman is kind of bridging those two worlds of land and sea. Namor is just a prince of the ocean who's a bit of an asshole. Yeah, and I was explaining that to my wife earlier. And she was like, oh, so does this mean is Namor Marvel's Aquaman? And I'm like, he's not. Because Aquaman has this thing of like, oh, identity, not knowing, blah, blah, blah. Whereas Namor is just like, fuck you guys, man. Also, Aquaman's a hero. Namor's a dick. Yeah, but he's not a villain. He's just like, you guys are fighting aliens. Fuck you guys. I'm in the water. Don't touch me. I won't touch you. You know what I mean? You stay there. I'll stay here. He's trying to steal Sue Richards away from Reed. There's also that. There's also the thing of like, he is borderline eco-terrorist. Can I? Is he? He is a borderline yeah, eco-terrorist. So. Let's be fair, right? So there's a lot. Namor is a lot of character. I, I, I was also pretty excited to see Riri Williams, which is interesting. How is that going to... Link up with the whole Tony Stark Iron Man thing. 
Wakanda Forever is going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting, aside from the fact that the biggest heavy lifting it has to do is with the elephant in the room, which is the loss of T'Challa himself. How do you deal with Chadwick Boseman's passing? How do you replace Black Panther? Who replaces Black Panther? There's a TV show coming out called World of Wakanda. How does it kind of tie into all of that? It's got a lot of work to do. Do they bring back Michael B. Jordan in some kind of surprise casting? We see a glimpse of something or someone in a Black Panther suit at the very end of the clip, but we have no idea who that is. And of course, it'll be interesting to see if Marvel can hold that secret. If Marvel can just, even in the next trailer, this was just a teaser, even in the full trailer that they release, whether they can hide the fact of who Black Panther is until the movie gets released because that would be a coup and that would be a great surprise to audiences. Can I also say this is my favorite version of what a teaser trailer should be? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I, I would I would be happy if this was the trailer. Actually, you know what? I've decided I'm not watching any more Wakanda Forever trailer. Anything that comes out after this, I'm done. You're like, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll the let... movie's out in November. It's not that long away, right? I can wait. Yeah, exactly. I am excited for this one. I know I've gone on record in several places several times that Black Panther was not on my favorite list of movies, of Marvel movies that came out that year. But this one, with everything surrounding it, as a storyteller, as a consumer of this content, I'm curious to see how they deal with it. But for me, that stole the thunder, right? I mean, yes, we've got a great lineup of Phase 5 shows. There's Thunderbolts coming out. There's Captain America New World Order. But for me, those are just titles. Like, we know nothing about them. Yes. And as history suggests, all of that could change as well. I know Echo is being shot now, so Echo is pretty much confirmed. And I think there's a director for Captain America New World Order. But... Anything can happen between now and when those movies come out. So for me, yeah. getting the titles in the lineup, yeah, great, fantastic, woohoo. But it's the stuff I got to see and the stuff I know that's coming that's most exciting. Uh, we still haven't gotten any footage from the Marvels, even though I know it's in production. And I think all of Iman Vellani's stuff has been shot already. So it must be closing in on the end of production. Either that or they shot that while they were doing Ms. Okay. Marvel, possibly. Also, if you were in Hall H, you got to see some exclusive footage from the Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. But also Modoc. Modoc's going to be in that. Yes, I hope it's Patton Oswald. I hope it's Patton Oswald. Although he's playing another character who may or may not make an appearance ever again in The Eternal. So who knows, right? Yeah, who knows? They showed some footage from Guardians 3. And the entire Guardians cast was there, or most of them were there, which is also very, very cool. All the talk about them crying makes me feel a little concerned. Who's gonna die? Or just how are they gonna end it, right? Like, if this is a sad thing, how are they gonna end it? So we get Guardians next year, I believe, but we get a Christmas special this year, I think that's what's happening. And yeah, I think the upcoming lineup is looking interesting. And I have to say... Sadly, it's also because they're dealing with legacy characters, right? These are all characters from the first three phases of the MCU. You've yeah. got Wakanda Forever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Guardians. And so all of these people are kind of wrapping up their storylines. And I think which is why we enjoyed Thor as much, because very little introduction was required. We just got to get into a film. We turned on the movie. It was there. We started watching it. We knew all of these characters. No origin required, which can sometimes be a bit tiring. So... I don't know. These next few movies that are coming up look like they could be very, very exciting. With regards to introducing new characters and them being tiring, I mean, 
I know we are on opposite sides of the Eternals and we are also probably a little on the opposite sides with regards to Shang-Chi. And a big part of the problem with those two films was the fact that they were introducing new corners of the universe with new characters and new sub-characters that we had very little affection, emotional attachment to, you know? But also, I don't think enough was done to make us feel attached to those characters, which is why it's quite interesting, even in this lineup, at least for the next two years, all the way to the end of Phase 5, there is no standalone Shang-Chi movie. There is no sequel to The Eternals. We don't know if Black Knight is just going to show up in Blade and maybe Shang-Chi has cameos in a few of these movies like Wong does. He seems to be showing up in everything. He's in She-Hulk as well, which is kind of cool. It should be the Wong saga. Forget the multiverse saga. This should be the Wong saga because he's fucking cool. So yeah, so there are a lot of those early shows that don't... And I know it takes a long time to make these movies. I think this is one of the problems that people felt with Phase 4. Maybe the introduction of these characters doesn't feel like they have a clear path. But I think with Mm. the announcement of those two Avengers movies, it feels like there is a clear path. I think... Shang-Chi, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, all of these people might end up being part of the Avengers. They've all been an Avenger at some point in the long history of the comic books. So it is not a stretch for them to end up being an Avenger in those movies. It feels like that's maybe where it's going. The Thunderbolts movie was the one for me that was most surprising. For me, it just felt like that's a weird one to give a feature film release to, you know? Yeah, it just felt strange. It just feels out of the box. It it it's almost like, like I love the Echo character in the Hawkeye TV show. I don't know if I need a TV show of her, dude. Thunderbolts is obscure. Like you have to be reading Captain America comics or Avengers comics yes. of a certain era to get the Thunderbolts or to care about the Thunderbolts. I know a lot of people are saying that it's Marvel's version of Suicide Squad. Not quite, but it's a very close approximation. You need to get a very good director to be able to pull that off and make people care about those characters in the same way that they have with the Avengers and all of those characters. But that said, there's a long runway to get to that point. And maybe that's what all of Phase 4 is building up towards. There's a lot of movies and TV shows where where the members of the Thunderbolts can be pulled together from, you know? So... Maybe. I mean, obviously, US Agent's going to be one there. Who else is going to make up that team? We don't know. There's a lot more stuff if you're interested in SDCC. I know sites like Polygon and even Vulture and IGN have kind of listed every single announcement. So you can read about all the new comic books that are coming out, all the new Lego sets that they've announced. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff. But just to wrap things up over here, Okay. The top okay. of my list. Top of my list. Just, just, just below Black Panther. X-Men 97. Oh, yeah. Like, that cartoon, man, yeah. I think I was 11 or 12 when it came out, and it was great, and that was the cartoon that made me want to buy X-Men comics. Like, I, I, yeah. at, at the time, I was only, like, into Spider-Man and Superman, right? And that was the cartoon that made me want to buy X-Men comics, and... I think they're going to do a good job. They're sticking with the original designs. They're not trying to be fancy about it. It looks like they're approaching it with the same sensibility. And from the images we saw, it looks like Magneto was leading the X-Men. I think there could be some cool, cool shit. <laughs> I'm curious to see how they follow up from the way 
the originals animated series ended and sort of how they're going to carry forward from the original series and if they're going to look at adding any of the new stuff that's come up with regards to the X-Men comic books. Let us know what you thought of this year's SDCC. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also send us an email at podcast at goggler.my or a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Goggler Podcast.